Welcome to Remember Me by Intervivos, the show about living life to its fullest, leaving a legacy, and deciding how you will be remembered. And now, your humble team of expert planners, taking the legal world by storm. Welcome to uh, Remember Me. My name is Mike Black. I'm in the office in the uh, studio today. I'm joined uh, with Brian, of course. But uh, Glenn Wagstaff is in he's in California on business th- this week, so you get me. And this week, you know, last week, if you remember, we talked about the uh, zombie apocalypse, and uh, we have some special guests uh, with us today to talk about that. Um, one of our guests is uh, Garrett uh, Garrett Smith from Ogden. He's a he's an attorney with the uh, Intervivos. But also I have with me Kelly Kelly Johnson, who is from Linden. She works for Linden City, and she has been uh, – she actually organized I – I called it the Zombie Apocalypse uh, Fair, but it was an emergency fair that Linden did. And uh, Kelly, want to kind of introduce yourself, and we'll give Garrett a chance to introduce himself, too, in just a second. Sure, no problem. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, my name's Kelly Johnson. I work for the city of Linden as the emergency planning coordinator, and so I do a lot of public outreach and educational opportunities, trying to help people prepare for disasters. I also do planning with the city to make sure that we are doing what we need to to uh, mitigate and prevent things where we can, respond appropriately if we need to, and then also make sure that we are recovering as well as possible. So I help with all of those. Well, thank you. Now, Garrett, um, you wanna, you've been on the radio before. This is uh, not new to you. You know Brian. You know everybody here. Um, can you uh, introduce yourself to us? Yeah, absolutely. So I last um, hosted on the Liberty lineup show the Monday segment called Faith in the Fire. I did that for about two years. And I felt like I was making a, a difference and I was passionate about liberty. I still am, but I gave it up actually to teach part-time at a private school. And rather than having maybe a small influence on a large audience, I'm trying to have a larger influence on a small audience. And so that I, I'm still passionate about liberty. It's still part of what I do. And I also practice law to, to pay the bills. So it, it works well. Well, that's good. You have to have some kind of passion to pay the bills, right? That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's it's exciting to be here today, and uh, you know, I'm, I wish Glenn was here because I think he'd enjoy this. But uh, you know, um, we we invited Kelly here because she was the uh, coordinator that, that to put the put together the zombie apocalypse fair, and uh, we just want to ask her a couple of questions. And you know, Garrett, you can jump in anytime, and you take off. You know, do your thing as well because uh, I just want to know. Um, well, Kelly, how do, you, <laughs> how do you interact with the, uh, the community about preparedness and how do you teach them and how do you get them involved with that? My role is to basically create places and times where the community might be interested in coming to learn about these things. The interest, honestly, in preparation seems to ebb and flow. That can be for a lot of different reasons. Maybe something has happened in the community, which actually makes people think, gosh, it could be a, maybe a time of life where they're thinking more about it. But I provide the opportunities to allow them to think about it and to become more prepared. So a preparedness fair, for example, would give them an opportunity to 
come in and talk to a lot of experts and get great information about supplies and increasing their knowledge about what to do in a disaster. But we also do things like uh, we do a citywide drill where we actually involve all of our residents uh, making sure that they uh, know their neighbors and can uh, hopefully help themselves and then also help their neighbors uh, so that as an entire city, we can be more prepared. And you just barely had one of those drills, right? We did. We had one on September 16th. We come from a fairly small jurisdiction, but we had 90% participation from our residents, which wow, is fantastic. Wow, that's impressive. And you said there's some, you found a lost child and all sorts of other things. <laughs> So that the, yeah, the fire department recently found a lost child as a as a part of an activity in the community. <laughs> That's great. Now, Garrett, um, your role as an attorney, you help people get prepared as well, and and you have some other passions about other or other types of um, estate planning. Kind of, can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And and with Intervivos, we've always um, had this campaign or this idea that you can plan for that. A lot of people say, you know, you can't plan for everything, which in a way, um, you know, that, that may be true in some ways, but we all know that there's going to be some emergencies that come up. In fact, um, just in a book we were reading today as a class, one of the statistics was that there will be an emergency type situation uh, for 78% of Americans within a 10-year span. And so if we look at that, you know, we may not know what the emergency is, but there's a great chance, you know, an almost 80 percent chance that we're going to face an emergency. And we want to empower people through the estate planning process to plan for that, to say it didn't catch me off guard. This is actually something I've planned for. And it may be setting up documents, financial instruments and things like that that can help do, you know, take care of those emergencies. But at the end of the day, you can't necessarily have a crystal ball to know what's going to happen in the future. But we all know that death is imminent. uh, Taxes are imminent, right? We always say those two things. And you can plan for situations that arise. And it varies based on the family because there may be a, a family with a child that has special needs. And your plan is going to look a lot different from someone who all their kids are grown and out of the house and you're not worrying about minors. And so that's really where the estate planning comes in is we can customize it and fit the needs of the individual rather than just using a boilerplate, one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I love the idea that if you're planning for something in your personal life that's a personal emergency that may not affect your neighbors, that is going to actually kind of go over into what if there was a community-wide disaster. And if you plan for a community-wide disaster, that then flips back over into being more prepared for a personal emergency as well. That's true. And Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about, I I was just curious, what are some of the common types of disasters or emergencies that you've seen um, as, as you've been the coordinator for the city of Linden? So that's an interesting question because I think when people say common, um, they may be thinking about something that's big that doesn't actually happen all that often. We use the idea of an earthquake in Utah quite a lot because the truth is that would be one of the biggest things that could happen here if you had a large magnitude 
earthquake. We know they have happened. We know they will happen. But it's not actually the most common. It would, when it happens, affect everyone simultaneously. But we do actually end up with other things that are considerably more common, things like winter storms, things like... Well, fires, we've had those fires. Oh, we have fire season. I mean, it's not going to be unusual for us to be breathing smoke sometime between the end of July and the beginning of September. Uh, There might be a a hazardous material spill. There's there are uh, house fires which might affect an individual or a neighborhood uh, far more likely than kind of those bigger things that we sometimes talk about, like earthquakes or uh, a terrorist threat or a pandemic, something that would affect everyone, but is actually not as common. So how does someone, because you were saying maybe the the family or the individual is a microcosm of the city, you know, how how does individual preparation alleviate the city's burdens when there is a disaster? I could not love that question more because it is so vital. Uh, If there was a large scale disaster... It might be that everyone would like to think they could call 911 and have somebody respond directly to them, but that is not what would happen because we have limited resources, particularly at the beginning of a disaster, before we maybe have been able to draw in the resources from outside. That would mean that the more prepared you are individually, the more control you can take over your personal circumstances. Preparedness to me is a way of giving yourself power and if you are prepared then you are more prepared to be able to help your neighbor so if you imagine that everyone in this entire valley is prepared uh, then if something happens and a couple of people lose their go kits because of circumstances the people next to them will be prepared to help them it's super super important for everyone to be prepared individually you know, I think and maybe this is a question that might go over the break and you can answer, but it just makes me think as far as playing devil's advocate. Well, why should I prepare then? Because it seems like I'll do all this work and everyone's going to freeload off of me. And so why not just leave it up to the city of Linden to take care of? Me? You know, that's a really good question. We can we can care, cover that after the break. Um, but, you know, this I, I, I've, I love the banter here. I mean... <laughs> Both of you have got some really good ideas and get some good concepts and things, and we're going to discuss those a little bit more. After the break, we, um, we'll discuss and continue with that, and we'll keep that in mind. back everybody uh thanks for joining us today and uh before the break and we were talking about these zombie apocalypse and uh, gary posed a question to uh to kelly and uh, gary you want to just uh, ask that question again and uh, we'll let kelly answer that okay well the question was if i go ahead and do all this preparation I, it is it was about preparation you know 
if I if I do all this preparation, why should I do that if I'm if uh, people are just going to freeload off me and I can just go ahead and freeload off the city? And uh, Kelly, your thoughts on that? So, so my thoughts are that one, it's going to be impossible to freeload off the city. One of the things that is perhaps a common misconception is that somebody is going to sweep in and take care of you immediately. And there's a reason that it suggested that you have a 72-hour to a 96-hour supply of things like food and water and medications, that you have a go kit so that if there's an evacuation situation, you can grab your things and leave immediately. Consider, if you will, that you have had an evacuation uh, order given to your household. There is not going to be someone who comes in and tells you what to pack at that moment. Nobody is going to come in and pack those things for you. You have to have been pre-prepared so that you can get out as quickly, as efficiently, and as calmly as possible. Uh, The same goes for if there's some sort of disaster and you're sheltering in place. Let's say it's an earthquake. Let's say that you're house is partially damaged, but you can still stay there. Uh, Will you get help from the city or from some sort of other government entity within those first 72 to 96 hours? It's actually pretty unlikely. Uh, As a municipality or as another organization, uh, government organization, They're going to be doing uh, assessments of the entire situation. They're going to be helping the most critical situations, not necessarily individual families. So as a unit, as an individual or as a family, you have to have thought through what you need and what you need personally. Do you have a special needs situation, elderly, children, uh, Do you have medical equipment? Do you have pets? Those are the kinds of things you have to pre-think out so that you can be as prepared as possible. Because really, in those first few days, you may not get the help that you might anticipate. Yeah, you have to take ownership for your family. and You have to be prepared for them and and really, you know, be the the leader of your family. And if the mother's not there, what does, I mean, if the father's not there, what does the mother do? Those kinds of things. And we've heard stories about uh, people being separated like that. How do you get back together? Do your kids know how to take care of themselves if they're not around? Those kinds of things you have to really drill into them, and things like that are happening all the time. Jared, uh, you're back, Kelly, right? I, I loved what you were saying about, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach anyway because there are differences in families. And if we're relying on, you know, the, the city, whatever level of government to take care of us, then in a way we're losing our freedom. We're not being able to have the freedom to prepare the way that we should that matches our family's needs. And like you said, there may be delays in getting the supplies. And so if everyone took this approach of saying, take care of me, then logistically the the government wouldn't be able to take care of everyone anyway. The more and, people who can take care of themselves earlier on, it means that the ones who really do need that critical help, they'll be more likely to get it. You also have to consider that our first responders have families themselves. Absolutely. The first thing they're going to do, and they should, is to check on their own loved ones. There are special considerations. Um, you mentioned being apart. There are children at school. You may be at work, uh, out running errands. Have you put together some sort of communications plan or a reunification plan for your family? And my reunification plan is going to look completely different from my neighbor's. Because we work and we go to school in different places. 
So I, I think there are a handful of questions that are really valuable to ask yourself and then to prepare for those categories. And it doesn't have to be zombie apocalypse type. You don't have to have, this is another misconception, I think. You don't have to have a bunker that is absolutely full of things from floor to ceiling. But if you begin the process with these questions and then work on them a little at a time, you'll be ahead of the game. So one of the questions that I would ask myself is knowledge-based. What do I do if, and then fill in the blank, there's an earth. What do I do if there's a fire? What do I do if there's an active shooter? And then find out what those best practices are. I get into that, but I don't think we have time. <laughs> so um, well, I do have a question, if it's all right. I, sure. I'm actually, my class is listening in, and I got a question from one of my students, Josh. And oh, he was asking, how can he as a teenager help his community being more prepared, you know, be more prepared for an emergency? That's a good question. That's a great question. And I love that as a teenager, he's even thinking about that because we absolutely need community activists to be thinking about these things. So the first thing I would tell your student, to, sorry, what was his name? Was it Josh? Josh. Josh. Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is start at home. Start with your own family. Begin there. Make sure that you guys have plans in place. Know what to do if you needed to stay at home. Do you have the supplies for that? Know what to do if you needed to evacuate. Do you have go kit? Um, know what to do to communicate with your family and have that reunification in place. Uh, but then, and I think this is maybe where you're driving, what else can you do to help yourself and your community and others? There are so many volunteer opportunities. You can go to your city directly and ask them if they have any ways that you could participate. But you can also go to a lot of volunteer organizations like the Red Cross. You can do a CERT training. That's community emergency response teams. You can help uh, get a child care certification because, you know, this is one of the things that we deal with in disasters is separation of families. What do you do with the children who are separated from their parents? You don't just want anybody to go in and take care of them. So there are ways that you can, uh, you could learn some basic fire suppression, uh, first aid classes, all kinds of things like that could really help your community. That's awesome. And is there a website or where would you suggest someone who has no idea where to start? Where would they get started? Well, there are a lot of websites out there. But if you, I I have a website called LindenCityDrill.com. We use it mostly for our city, but there is a volunteer page on there that will give you some ideas and some links uh, of places that you could go to learn some of these supplemental skill sets and uh, increase your knowledge base. Awesome. Um, well, I, I know that sometimes, you know, people have the desire, but if they don't have the know-how or where to go or a little direction, they don't get involved. But I, I loved what you said about just contacting the city, because I'm sure that there's people within the city resources that could point them in the right direction. Um, and, sure. and yeah. obviously getting parents involved, right? <laughs> like if the, if the teenagers are excited about it, then get the parents involved so that there's at least some communication on what's going on. Right. And, that's right. And I will say, know. too, that the time to do that is pre-disaster. <laughs> um, we So a lot of people want to volunteer right after something has happened. 
but they don't have the skill sets needed and they just show up and we and we kind of jokingly call it the disaster within the disaster because you can have so many volunteers show up who don't really know what they're doing that they can actually kind of become a little bit of a problem maybe they don't understand safety protocols um maybe they're kind of uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time and so there are a lot of really fantastic classes that you can take to really uh, up your skill level and and the time to do that would be now. Now does the city provide those classes? Our neighboring cities can provide cert classes. Oh, so uh, Provo and Orem both do cert classes. Um, I do I actually do bi monthly training meetings if you're interested in those, they're certainly welcome to come. I have let's see, the next one is look this up. Give me a second. While you're looking that up, I, I just loved what you said about, you know, the disaster within the disaster. In estate planning, we call that crisis planning. Yeah. And so you're trying to plan once someone has lost their capacity or has an incurable disease, or maybe they've already passed away, and now we're trying to minimize the damage and try to figure out if we can avoid probate or what we can keep out of probate. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same principle, right? It, it spans across the... Rather than being reactive, we can be proactive and say, I can plan for that. Right, you know, because those things emergency. will affect everyone no matter what. Now, right. We're getting ready to wrap up right now, Garrett. Uh, anything you want to add? You know, I, I just think um, I, I've loved Kelly's comments and saying start early, right? Start early, be steady. Don't wait for the last minute because it may be too late or you become a liability. I see the same thing happen with uh, people that are advocating for gun control. They okay. say, oh, I'm, I'm scared that there's going to be, you know, more gun control provisions. So they go buy a gun, but they don't know how to use it. Okay. And so in a way, you know, it could, you know, turn into a bigger problem. And so the idea is starting early, being steady. Is okay. Really. Thank you for joining us this week and we'll uh, see you next week.